Okay. I'm going to use this right now first <clears throat> for the readers. And you can bring up that, uh, the title slide. If we can open up to Daniel, the book of Daniel, that's near the end of our Old Testament, chapter 4. Daniel, chapter 4. We, this is an extremely interesting chapter. Not that all chapters in the Bible are not extremely interesting. But this one especially, I think you'll find uh, great benefit and a tremendous chapter indeed to look at a mighty monarch. It is actually a testimonial of a king. Not only a king, but he is called a king of kings, believe it or not. And he's called a king of kings by the Lord. Now, we know... That the Lord is the King of kings and Lord of lords. But Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, the first world empire, is actually called by the Lord in, uh, I think it's in Ezekiel. Uh, he's, he's referred to as a king of kings by Daniel in, in, our, in our book in chapter 2. But later on, uh, the Lord himself, Jehovah, calls Nebuchadnezzar a king of kings. And we're going to read his uh, a testimonial. It's somewhat like a diary. Now, we don't probably all of us here are young like me, so we don't know what a diary is. But diaries were kept in a bygone day, right, to uh, unfold the person's day and life and so forth and so on. There are some famous diaries out there in the world uh, that Different ones have recorded and historians are able to learn a lot about the person by their diary. Well, what we have today is a diary, actually, because you're going to see the phrase, I, Nebuchadnezzar, I, Nebuchadnezzar. We're going to read that four times. Listen, watch it as we read through. And he's recording for us how he came to know the living God, the most high God. In other words... This man, this king of kings, was converted to the living God. He wasn't always a believer. We're going to learn about that today. He wasn't always like that. But he recorded in his, you might call it a diary or a testimonial. Nowadays, you know, we don't need diaries. We have Facebook and Twitter that you can tell your whole life story, right? I went to the store today. I picked, I made sausage and eggs and so forth and so on, right? You can tell me everything. I can go on your wall. And by the way, uh, we're going to read about next week. Uh, somebody saw writing on a wall, and it wasn't Facebook's wall either. Belshazzar, well, I don't want to get steal the thunder, but Belshazzar was a king, the son of Nebuchadnezzar, grandson actually, and he saw the writing on the wall, but it wasn't a Facebook wall, and it led to his demise. Okay, we're going to have some readers today. Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4, starting in verse 1, says, Nebuchadnezzar the king, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. How great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is everlast is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts on my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. 
Therefore I issued a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers came in, and I told them the dream, but they did not make known to me its interpretation. But at last Daniel came before me. His name is Belshazzar, according to the name of my God. In him is the spirit of the holy God. I told the dream before him, saying, Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you, and no secret troubles you. Explain to me the visions of my dream that I have seen and its interpretation. These were the visions of my head while on my bed. I was looking, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong. Its height reached to the heavens, and it could be seen to all the ends of the earth. Its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. The birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head while on my bed, and there was a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He cried aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and cut off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beast get out from under it and the birds from his branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze, in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let him get grazed front with the beasts on the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the heart of a beast, and let seven times pass over him. This decision is by the decree of the watchers, and the sentence by the word of the holy ones, in order that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whom he will, and sets over it the lowest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belshazzar, declare its interpretation, since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able, for the spirit of the holy God is in you. Then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was astonished for a time, and his thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke and said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, may the dream concern those who hate you, and its interpretation concern your enemies. The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, whose height reached to the heavens, and which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and its fruit abundant, in which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and in, the, in whose branches the birds of the heaven and their home. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong, for your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens, and your dominion to the end of the earth. And inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let him graze with the beasts of the field, till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come from upon my lord the king. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall um, make you eat grass like an oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomever he chooses." And inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you, 
after you come to know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by by being righteous, and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. All this came upon Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of twelve months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomever he chooses. That very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men, and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers, and his nails like bird's claws. And at the end of the time I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him, who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, What have you done? At the, at the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles restored me, restored to me. I was restored to my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice, and those who walk in pride he is able to put down. Thank you, Chris and Daniel, for that reading. We'll go ahead with the uh, teaching on it. Is this mic good? Can we hear it? I hope it stays on like that. Okay, I'd just like to point out a few things before we actually go, trying to go uh, several verses at a time here. It's a long chapter, but extremely, extremely interesting. First of all, we're going to see in this chapter, chapter the sovereignty of God, the all-controlling ability of God demonstrated in this chapter, also the bankruptcy of Babylonian wisdom. For instance, in verse 18, Nebuchadnezzar realized that nobody in his kingdom could interpret this dream that he had, but he recognized there was one that could. So there was the bankruptcy of Babylonian wisdom, but also the sovereignty of God as he moved in the life of this mighty monarch. Now, I want to think of the remarkability of this chapter. That's why I don't even know if that's a word, but how remarkable is this chapter? Because what you have, think about this, and I'm going to put it up to a contemporary times. You have the monarch of a world empire. His name is Nebuchadnezzar. Long name. But he is the uh, king of the first world empire of Babylon, right? So you have him that he was far from a Christian, but God spoke to him on a number of occasions. We're going to probably refer to that, how God spoke to him. We've already heard it once when he looked into the fire of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and he saw a fourth person, which was like to the Son of God, right? So God was speaking to this man. But now listen, 
Here is Nebuchadnezzar. He's going to be converted to the living God. He's, he's going to be converted to the Most High God. Can you imagine a modern-day despot, a modern-day monarch, king, ruler, that would convert to the living God? Think of it in history. Joseph Stalin, Adolf Hitler. How about today, Kim Jong-un? How about Raul Castro? If they actually converted and turned to the living God, would that be a miracle? Oh, yeah, it sure would be a miracle. But I want to tell you that every conversion is a miracle, right? When little Malcolm Skelton was born into this world, he realized that he was a sinner that needed the Savior. And it took a miracle to, 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 for, for me, and so do you, if you know the Savior this morning, to turn by faith and recognize that I cannot save myself. I am not my own Savior. I need a Savior. And I turned in faith to the one who could, Jesus Christ the Lord. So really, every conversion is a miracle. But I think there's something about this one that stands out, and I think you're going to see as we go through it, the, the, the life of King Nebuchadnezzar. So he starts off here. You could, I don't have my clicker. Just hit that first one there. He starts off in the, uh, in the uh, chapter in verse number three. First of all, or verse number four, he says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, can you, did it, did you, ah, here we go. I was at rest in my own house and flourishing in my palace. First of all, notice the phrase, I, Nebuchadnezzar. Now, I want you to notice this is a remarkable chapter as well for this. How many chapters in the Bible do you know that a person records their testimony? Think about it. How many chapters in our Bible, verses in our Bible, does a person actually record their personal testimony? And I think it's remarkable. I keep using that word. Amazing today that we're going to hear testimonies of God's saving grace and keeping power. Well, let's think about it like this. Here is a Gentile king. And he says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, four times over. He's included in the canon of Scripture. The sovereignty of God, the Spirit of God. Not that yet. Not that yet. He, uh, he, 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 uh, well, okay, now you have it. I'm done. <clears throat> no, not really. The, we, we could see that, that he actually has his own words incorporated into Holy Writ. Now, I think that's amazing because you have other... Uh, well, I, I know of one testimony. I challenge you. Maybe there's more. But Paul, right? The Apostle Paul records for us his words, his testimony in the book of the Acts. But is there any others like that? But there's none like this that is a Gentile king, one that was far from God, but he turned in faith to the living God. And he recorded it for us here. As I said before, you know, if you're a Facebook person, right, you can sit on Facebook and learn all kinds of things about where a person went, what a person ate, what a person wore, and all these details that are so important, right? But here, here you can realize how this person, this mighty monarch, turned in faith and what was the process that led to it. So he starts off with this ease and security. He's going to record for us what happened. In verse number four, I sat at rest. Here I was, aroused from a sense of false, a false sense of security. I'm sure you find it as I do, as you go out and about, and we're trying to be a witness for the Savior, trying to waken people up, not that we do it, but the Spirit of God does it, I understand that, but to share with them the gospel of Christ. When we do that, we find that, that for the most part, 
People are self-satisfied. There's no need to move from what they've been taught from a child. And I think this and I think that and I need nothing else. That's the, and, 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 and look, I have everything I need. I have my food. I have my job. I have my car. I have my Facebook. I have everything, right? I don't need anything. Well, he was aroused from a sense, a false sense of security, and he had this dream, all right? Now, before we go get into the dream, I just want to say a little word about dreams just very briefly because there is no question in the Bible, no question that God uses dreams and speaks to people through dreams and visions. We could sit here for an hour, stand here for an hour, and go through all the times that God used dreams, God used visions in the life of individuals. You think of Peter. He wouldn't dare go to speak to a Gentile and eat their food. No way. But God had to give him a dream, a vision, right? Uh, that, that sheet that came down from heaven with all the animals and rise, Peter, kill and eat. He gave him a vision, right? We could, go, we could talk about many dreams and visions. But I want to say this. What happens when God is pleased to do that? He's about to reveal his word unto them or his plan always. So when it comes to dreams and visions in the word of God, he is making known something to them like here in Daniel. He's making known something to Nebuchadnezzar that's going to happen. And he's recorded it in his word. So when it comes to dreams and visions, that is a way that is a way that God has communicated with mankind. But it is not the final authority because now we have the completed canon of Scripture. In other words, when God wanted to say something to Peter, he gave him a vision and then he recorded it in the book. He recorded it in the book about salvation to, to all men, Jew and Gentile. So his word was completed, Ezekiel and so on. We can go on and on. When God gave a vision, there was the he was about to tell them something. And that's what he did to Nicodemus. So really... Though I firmly believe God uses dreams and visions today, we've heard a number of testimonies from those in the darkness of Islam where a God evidently would send a vision, but it would be about the person of Jesus Christ and it would align with this book. Thank the Lord. So God, we don't want to put God in a box and say he cannot speak in dreams and visions today, but we do have the completed canon of Scripture. So Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. There was this big tree, Right. He calls in, he can't, he can't understand it. He calls in Daniel. None of his wise men, magicians, astrologers could do anything about it. But he calls in Daniel and he, he wants to make known. I know the spirit of God is in you. There's no mystery that baffles you, O Belteshazzar. By the way, <clears throat> you know why he named him Belteshazzar? He says it in this chapter. According to the name of my God. That was one of the, the name of his foreign God. And so he called Daniel after the name of his foreign God because he realized there was something different about him. I wonder, if, is that the way for you? Is that the way for me in, in the office, in the workplace, wherever? Is, do, 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 do the folks around see that there's something different in you, different in me, that they recognize that here's a God person. Here's somebody that has a spirit of God. Here's somebody that has spiritual sense. Well, that's what the king, the mighty monarch of the land, recognized the spirit of the holy gods was in him. Okay, the holy God. So he sees this tree. Uh, in the midst of the earth, we have it somehow, yeah, in a picture up there, a weak picture, but we're going to just consider some of these things about how the king's dream, the dream described, the dream explained, and the dream fulfilled uh, in, in just a few minutes here. So he sees this tree, right? It, it, it grew up and it fed everybody, right, according to verse 12. And then he saw the visions of my head in verse 13. He says, I saw a watcher, a holy one come down from heaven. Some of you have, the translations have an angelic watcher. 
Now, the angelic watcher is, we're going to say a word about that in a minute, uh, it, it, it revealed to him what was going to happen to that tree. But notice the tree, it's not no longer in it. Verse 12, and all flesh was fed of it, the tree. But in verse 14, the watcher cries aloud, cut down the tree, cut off, who's not its branches, his branches, and shake his leaves. You know, this, we're going to see this. This is a solemn tree. It's a solemn tree. This is a solemn thing when God shakes somebody's tree. You ever had your tree shaken by God? You know? And the leaves begin to fall off. The bottom drops out. Nowhere to turn. A divine tree shaking was about to take place here. Now, these watchers... <clears throat> They have a decree. Look at verse uh, uh, 17. This matter is by the decree of the watchers. Now, this is the first reference, as far as I know, to angels being watchers or observers. If we look in the rest of the New Testament, well, even in the Old Testament, uh, he shall give his angel, Psalm 91, he shall give his angels charge over you and, all, and keep you in all your ways. Uh, they're, they're, they're angels, the Lord said in Psalm, I think it's also Psalm 91, do always behold the face of my Father. So there's actually the, the, uh, the, the concept set forth of angels as watchers, as observers about the, the, uh, the sons of men. And I, I think you know uh, that the Scripture teaches that there's, there's a vast unseen world around us that we have no idea except for the Scriptures revealing what's going on. And the book of Daniel has a lot to say about that unseen world. And here we see something. So there was this angelic council, right, that watched what was happening. And they made this decree. And they said in verse 17 that by the demand of the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living, that's Nebuchadnezzar, may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he will and sets up over the basest of men. Now, I want to say a word just before we pass on from that remarkable verse. Have you ever, I know you have here in America, have you ever wondered why such and such is in power? How did that person get in that place of position of politics? Right? Not only in America, but across the world. How did this person or that person get in that position to take rule over a country, over a land? Political science is right here. I don't need the subject in the, in, in the college. He set God, the Most High, rules in the kingdom of men, and He gives it to whomever He will, and He sets up over it the lowest of men. Next time we're complaining or concerned about the poor nature of this politician, whomever it may be, recognize that the Lord has put him or her there. That's what the Scripture says. In fact, when it comes to political science, he gives it to whomever he will, Daniel 4, 17 and 25. He, and he turns the king's heart wherever he wants, Proverbs 21. And he does whatsoever or whatever he wants, Acts chapter 4. So there we have it. When we look at those that are seated in office, we thank the Lord that he has set them there. Okay, and we pray for them as the scripture just declared, uh, declares that we should do. So their decree. Now notice their decree in verse number 17. 
the, the decree of the watchers, the angelic watchers, there must be some kind of a council that comes down to declare this to King Nebuchadnezzar. But their decree becomes the decree of the Most High, verse 24. So you see that this is not just some uh, uh, renegade group, right? This is an uh, angelic council that, that is overseen by the Lord. You can see it in the book of Job and other places. But there, the, the, the matter of this decree becomes the decree of the Most High in verse number 24. But what they revealed to Nebuchadnezzar was that the ultimate purpose for that dream is that the living may know, right? That the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men. And what's going to happen to him? Well, verse number 25, they're going to drive you from men and your dwelling will be with the beasts of the field. It says in the next chapter he had to live with the donkeys out in the weather. Now, <clears throat> it goes on to say, you, they will make you to eat grass like an ox. You shall be wet with the dew of heaven and seven times shall pass over you. Now, the, from the, judging from the other scriptures, we believe this was seven years that he would live in this insane position. In other words, he was driven to insanity. Right. This king was put out to pasture. He had to buy the living God for seven years. It had to be seven years, not seven days or seven months, because it had to have time for the hair to grow. It says and the nails to grow like eagles, uh, uh, like claws and the hair like eagles, feathers and so forth. There had to be time. So here was this king insanity. Right. With no con connection with reality. Now, you talk about hardship. Talk about hardship. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Right. There are times when God will, will allow this to happen. We see it from Scripture. And allow hardship. What's this insane position? Seven years this man had to be out living like an animal, living with the beasts of the field. His hair growing like eagle's feathers. His nails never been never went to a, a, a cosmic, cosmic whatever shop to get his nails cut, right? But he's insane, right? And, and, and you, you know, just think about this. Now, what it led to is remarkable. But, you know, hard times come to, to us in life. And we're tempted to complain. <clears throat> now, what happened with Nebuchadnezzar? Well, it was revealed to him before it happened that they... Thy kingdom shall be sure. The stump was left. The tree was cut down. The stump was left. Verse 26. And after that, you shall, it, it's, you, uh, you shall know that the heavens do rule. Now, so, so Daniel gives him the interpretation. Then it says in verse 27, therefore. Now, what I understand by that is Nebuchadnezzar now had an understanding of God's plan. But what action would he take? What action would he take? And I think there's a lesson for all of us, because if we have the word of God before us and we, you know, prophecy, sometimes we, we tend to we, we tend to be wowed by, oh, look at this. And oh, and we get caught up in just the 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 the, uh, the, the, the matter of all these things that happen in the book of the Revelation and so forth. But there's always just because there's a future plan, there's a present purpose for me and a present purpose for you. Right. Therefore, let my counsel, he says, be acceptable unto you by doing what is right. 
Break off your sins by righteousness, by doing what is right, and show mercy to the poor that it may be a lengthening of your prosperity, of your uh, tranquility. So there was a therefore. After he had this dream revealed, there was a therefore that he should have responded for. Now what happened? Verse 28, all this came upon Nebuchadnezzar. He knew it. He knew it was going to happen. Did he forget? Because one year went by. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. Look what he says in verse 30. Is not this great Babylon that I have built? I don't know a whole lot about it, but there's seven wonders of the world. One of them, as I understand it, is the hanging gardens of Babylon. And I believe that the, the builder of that, according to what I understand from the Internet, Wikipedia, Nebuchadnezzar, one of the seven wonders of the world, he had every reason to be proud. Look at this great kingdom, the house of my kingdom, the might of my power. I, I, my, my. I'm the source, I'm the reason, and I'm the means for all of this. It's of man, by man, and for man. He was so proud of his kingdom, right? But while those words were in the king's mouth, look at verse 31. There came a voice from heaven. So what he learned from Daniel, now he heard from heaven. You know, <clears throat> I think there's a good word, a bit of encouragement for us here because when we go out and try to be a testimony to others, sometimes it seems it falls on deaf ears. Twelve months, Nebuchadnezzar didn't do anything. He had the message. He knew what was going to happen. He knew the intent that God was trying to get a hold of him for. But he didn't move. There was no action until a voice came from heaven. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, your kingdom, verse 31, is departed from you. In the same hour, verse 33, this thing was fulfilled. And here he was, driven from men. He ate grass like an ox. His body was wet with the dew of heaven. His hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. He was driven out. He was degraded and he was demented. The mighty monarch of Babylon. Now verse 34, at the end of the days, there's that term again, I, Nebuchadnezzar, it's four times here. I lifted up my eyes unto heaven. My understanding returned and I blessed the Most High and I praised and honored Him. He looked up. He woke up. And He spoke up to the living God. There was a conversion that took place. Watch this. I praised and honored Him that lives forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion and His kingdom is from generation to generation. Now I, verse 37, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. Look at that phrase, the king of heaven. He was a king of kings, but he recognized that there was a king above him that had rule over him. You know, it's hard. Absolute power corrupts absolutely, they say. And when you're the one in power, which Nebuchadnezzar was, and you can see a lot of the atrocities that, he, that took place uh, in his reign in the Bible. But here it says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol the king of heaven. All his works 
are truth and his ways are judgment. And those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. He recognized that there was a king, a king of heaven. And I just want to close with two thoughts here that these, these things really astound me. Notice his words in verse 37, first of all. <clears throat> now I praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth. Another translation says, all his works are right. I don't know about you, but if there's ever been a divine tree shaking, or as the world would say, bad luck, a bad course of action, health, finances, family, whatever it may be, if that's ever come your way, you know, and I know, that usually the first thing we do, oh, God, we want to curse the God of heaven. That's what Job's friends told him to do. Curse God and die. And that's really, I remember, this, this sounds comical. It sounds comical, but it's true. There was a, a, an individual that, that uh, we were able to be a testimony to that eventually came to profess Christ as Savior. But he would tell me that he recognized all along that God was trying to get his attention. And oftentimes his jalopy, his car, would break down in traffic. And, oh, you know how it is. You can't break down in Hollywood, Pembroke Pines, or Fort Lauderdale, Miami traffic. Honk, honk, honk. And he would get out and he would beat his car on the hood and say, God, why did you do this to me? That's the first place people turn. God, why did you do this to me? You know what Nebuchadnezzar said? After all he'd been through, his ways are right. We tend to not be like that. This was a king of kings and he said his ways are right. We want to, God, why does he allow the Satan to do this to me? Why does he allow my bank account to dwindle? Why does he allow my health to be the way it is? Why does he allow my family? His ways are right. After all he'd been through, his ways are right. And one last thing. <clears throat> this astounded me. I've never thought of this before. Perhaps you have. <clears throat> if God... Now listen to this. If God spoke to everyone, to every individual, like he did to Nebuchadnezzar, wouldn't the whole world be converted? If God spoke that way to every individual, wouldn't every single person be converted? I want to tell you what the answer is. No. Can I give you an example? There was another monarch over Egypt. And a servant of the Lord came in to speak to this monarch. And he said to that monarch, this is what the Lord says, let my people go. You know what that monarch Pharaoh said? Who is the Lord that I should obey him? He asked for evidence. Did God give Pharaoh evidence? Oh, yes, he did. Evidence after evidence after evidence. Ten signs, ten plagues. And every time he gave that evidence, he spoke to that man. Pharaoh hardened his heart. There are two possibilities when there's a divine tree shaking. 
I can either step on and oppose the living God like Pharaoh did, or I can turn in faith and to exalt the God of heaven, the King of heaven, and recognize that He is Lord, not me. But, you know, we have this ability in our human nature that we want to stubbornly resist the truth. Romans 1.18, that, that, that uh, God says that they, uh, therein is the righteousness of God revealed, and that when it comes to a person, they resist or they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. No, I don't want that coming. My, I don't want God in my life. I don't want the Word of God. I want to be in control. <clears throat> oh, let me just close with this. There was a man that ended up in hell. And he was so distraught. This is the rich man, Luke 16. He was so uncomfortable. Send Ezekiel's Abraham afar off. Send Lazarus that he may dip his finger in water and touch my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. It was too late for him. But you know what he said? Send Lazarus to my brothers. I have five of them. If somebody appears to them from the dead, they listen to this. What he said? They will repent. In other words, they'll change their mind if somebody dead comes to them. You know what Abraham said? They have the word of God. They have Moses and the prophets. But that's what he was saying. Listen carefully as I understand it. What he was saying was, my brothers, they'll repent. But I didn't. I wonder. Now think about this. We're closed. We're, go- we're almost done. The Bible says, this is awful. That those that are in the blackness of darkness forever, in God's everlasting torment and God's fire, it says there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. You know why? They will not repent. Not even there. It's an awful thing when the divine God speaks to an individual, makes known to him, his need, his bankruptcy before him, but they turn like Pharaoh and exalt their own self. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Thank the Lord Nebuchadnezzar did not. And I trust each one here today would fall into that category of Nebuchadnezzar that we've recognized. Nebuchadnezzar only had so much light. We have a lot more light today because Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The word of God has come to us. What have we done? And then as believers, what do we do with the word of God? Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the privilege it is to read in your word this wonderful, marvelous testimony of this mighty monarch. We pray that we'll learn from it. There was a therefore in the life of Nebuchadnezzar. There's a therefore in our life. Will we listen? Will we turn from our own ways? Will we repent? Change our mind about the living God who loves us and sent his son to save us from our sin and desires a relationship. Oh, our Father, we thank you for the privilege to have a relationship with our Creator, the true and the living God. 
And Nebuchadnezzar came to know him, and many here today know him. We pray if there's one here today that has not received him or is turned from him, that today might be that day to come and to bow the knee. Say, Jesus, I will trust thee. Trust thee with my soul. I'm guilty. I'm lost. I'm helpless. But you can make me whole. We thank you for what the Savior has done and is doing. We pray that you'll bless this word to our hearts. In his name we pray. Amen.